invite you to take God's word and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. I love this time of the year, love preaching Christmas theme messages. The story of the birth of Jesus never gets old. You know, we would not have a crucifixion or a resurrection or an ascension or a consummation uh, if there was not first an incarnation. And this is the message of Christmas, that God came in the flesh. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look here at Isaiah's prophecy, a prophecy that was made over 700 years before Jesus would ever be born. He spoke of a child that would be born, a son that would be given. We're calling the message series, Unto Us, A Son is Given, A Savior is Here. I want to begin reading in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 1. We'll read through verse 7. The Bible says this. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now this series over the next four weeks is going to concentrate really on verse number six. We're going to look back at this fourfold title given to this child that was to come who would carry the name, be described as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and prince of peace. This week's message is wonderful counselor. Now to understand the fullness of this prophecy and to really appreciate Uh, the names and description given of this child to come, we have to understand what was taking place when Isaiah spoke this prophecy. So I want to give us a little history lesson here. This will color in the pages, if you will, as to uh, what we're talking about, what was going on. Isaiah was a prophet during the time in which the kingdom was divided. You had Israel to the north and you had Judah to the south. At this point in history, the Assyrian Empire was the main power to be, and they were on the rise. In fact, I'm going to show you a map on the screen for you to see right now. Uh, The leader of the Assyrian Empire at the time was a man by the name of 
Tilgath-Pilazar, his reign began in 745 B.C. And you can see that his reign, that little yellow area of the map, is his reign that began in around 745 B.C. By the time that his reign ended, just 18 years later, you can see the large green amount is what the Assyrian Empire expanded into. And what I want you to notice is the inset picture there at the bottom of that screen is of Israel and Syria. The top portion, you see the word Damascus in the top right corner of that little inset there. I want you to see this, very important, that when a nation went to conquer Israel, they always came from the north, whether it was the Assyrians or the Babylonians or any other foreign country at the time, Rome, they always came into the north. And so for them to tackle Judah, which is where Jerusalem was, the southern kingdom, they first had to conquer the northern kingdom, Israel. It always came from the north. Well, Israel and Syria knew that the Assyrian empire was on the march. And so they wanted to form a coalition to fight Tilgath-Pilazar and to prevent him from taking over Israel, Syria, and ultimately Judah. So they go to the king of Judah, a man by the name of Ahaz at the time. And they said, why don't you join our coalition so we can fight against this great Assyrian empire? And Ahaz says, no thanks. And so the king of Israel and the king of Syria say, fine, we're going to come against you. And so they come against Judah, hoping to overtake Judah so that as a collective, they can then take on the great Tilgath-Pilazar and the Assyrian Empire. Now Ahaz, the king of Judah, which is where Isaiah was living at the time, he was prophesying from Jerusalem in Judea, uh, Judah. And Isaiah tells uh, the leader of the Assyrian Empire, listen, you need to have faith. You need uh, to just believe in God, trust God, and God will work this out. But Ahaz, like most of the kings of the northern and southern kingdoms, were as evil as they could come. In fact, listen to how Ahaz is described in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 2 through 4. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began his reign, and he reigned for 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. And so when he says no to Israel and Syria, joining their coalition, you know what he does? He doesn't listen to Isaiah, who says, follow the Lord, God will work this out for you. Instead, he goes to Tilgath-Pilazar, the leader of the Assyrian Empire who is on the march, and he says, why don't we make a coalition and go against Israel and Syria? And the prophet Isaiah essentially says, are you nuts? This is the leader that's going to come down. He's going to take over everything. You're not listening to the words of God. And so what Isaiah says is, Judgment is coming, and it is about to be a very dark day for you, Ahaz. And not just for you, not just for Israel, not just for Syria, but for Judah as well. In fact, it's going to be so dark. The climax of his judgment given against Judah is in Isaiah chapter 8, the, the very last verse before we get into this prophecy in chapter 9. Look at verse 22. 
And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is the context of Isaiah chapter 9. This is when this prophecy was given. It was a time when there was darkness and despair in the land. There was war and there was death. There was horrible leadership leading the countries, power grabs within the government. There was distress, gloom of anguish. It was a time of fear and terrible unknowns. Does that sound anything like what we're going into and walking through today? Well, it's in this context that Isaiah speaks this prophecy. And he says, a child is coming. And this child will change everything. Now, I'm not going to stay here long because we're going to hang out on the description given to the child of being a wonderful counselor. But I want you to notice there are four just in the Christmas season presents that this child brings with him when he comes. Four gifts, if you will. And we're going to pull these straight out of Scripture. And when you see these, it's going to make the arrival of the Christ child that much more beautiful. And while I give a synopsis of the four gifts today, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is take them one at a time to correlate with the name that is given here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. First, I want you to notice that this child brings with him hope. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. This is the first glimpse of hope that Isaiah gives as he delivers this message of judgment to Ahaz and to Judah. While there is darkness and gloom coming, it's going to be dark And it's going to be days of distress. Isaiah says, it won't always be this way. And in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land that is beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now remember what I told you about the north. Trouble always came from the north. This is what it represented. It always came from the north. Zebulon and Naphtali, the two tribes that are mentioned here, if you look on a map, they are the foremost northern tribes for the 12 tribes of Israel. It represented the backwoods. Uh, It represented the country folk. It was far away from the life of the city. And it was from this area, the most unlikely of places where trouble always came from. It was the backwoods. Nobody ever went out there. But it's from this area that Isaiah says, hope will come. That sounds like Christmas, doesn't it? Hope coming from the most unlikely of places, a little town of Bethlehem. Jesus was born, and as a child, he moved into Nazareth. Matthew would notice his move and read the prophecies of Scripture and put two and two together and say, this is indeed the Christ child. Matthew chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. And leaving Nazareth, he, Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory, look at this, of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee, 
of the Gentiles. 730 years before Jesus would ever be born and walk this earth, Isaiah saw it. He saw hope coming from the northern lands. And this hope was in the person of Jesus Christ. I'll return to this theme of hope toward the end of our time together. It's what Christmas is all about. But Jesus brings with him something else. This child not only brings hope, he brings with him light. Look at verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Have you ever been in a place where you could feel the darkness? I've told you this before, but growing up, we lived out in the country, and we had a dog pen out in our backyard, and it backed up to a big field of just nothing, and it never failed. My dad would tell me late at night, 9 o'clock, 9.30, Jared, go lock the dogs up. And we lived out in the country. I mean, it was, it was pitch black. It was dark. And I would work on my foot speed. I'd run so fast out there because I just knew children of the corn lived in that, pa- that pasture out beside me. And I would run as fast as I could. You could feel the darkness. This week I was reading the, the news concerning some of the hostages that were released uh, from Hamas earlier this week. And there was a story by the name uh, of a lady by the name of Adina Moshi. She was 72 years old, a grandmother. You see the picture of her here. She was dragged from her safe room in Israel, taken to Gaza, and I'm reading the article here, forced into tunnels five stories underground. They took her inside the tunnels. She walked bare feet in the mud of the tunnels. It was very hard to breathe, she is reported to have saying. They held her in an underground room where the lights were switched on, five stories beneath the, they, they left her in an underground room where the lights were switched on for only two hours a day. The darkness was literal, and also figurative. Deprived of any information, their senses and imaginations became keener. Can you imagine how dark it must have been? Down five stories underneath the ground, not knowing what was going on. Well, as, as dark as that was literally, that's how dark it was spiritually in the days when Jesus was born. There had not been a word from God by a prophet's mouth in over 400 years. It was dark. And the scriptures teach that in Jesus, light had come. I'm going to talk about this more next week when we talk about the term mighty God and how he brings light. But you can't celebrate Christmas without celebrating lights. Yesterday evening, I put my twins in the car and we turned on the Christmas music and we just went around the neighborhood looking at Christmas lights. Lights and Christmas, they're, they're synonymous, aren't they? G- John, the apostle, he would look at Jesus and he would say that life and light was a correlation. John chapter one, verses four and five, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse nine, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Unto us, a child is born. A savior is given and he brings with him hope and light. And thirdly, he brings joy. Look at verse three. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide 
the spoil. The coming of this child, Isaiah prophesied, will turn gloom into joy. And that's exactly what Jesus does. We'll talk about this in week three in correlation with the name Everlasting Father. But you can't talk about Christmas without talking about joy, singing about joy. It was the first song this morning in our worship set, Joy to the World. We'll sing, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Can't experience Christmas without joy. Your children, your grandchildren, the wonder of Christmas. Seeing the joy on their faces as they open up gifts, as they experience the season for the very first time. This is what Jesus brings, the announcement of this Christ child. This is what December is all about. Don't let the busyness of the season pass you by. Jesus brings with him hope, and he brings light, and he brings joy. And the fourth gift that he brings is peace. This will be the message on our Christmas Eve service, and I want to encourage you to bring your neighbors and your friends. We're going to have some door hangers that you can pass out in your neighborhood to get the word out. So many people will come to a Christmas service that might not ever come into a church, and we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to talk about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he brings with him peace. Isaiah speaks of this child having a government. One day there will be no more war. There will be no more conflict. Jesus will rule and reign in complete peace. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness for this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Notice his government will be perpetual, it will be everlasting, and it will be consummated upon his return. We're getting ready for Christmas Spectacular. Tickets are going fast. If you hadn't gotten them, you better get them today. HoustonChristmas.org. But part of the show this year is kind of a new show. And everybody that walks in will get these cool 3D glasses because there's a 3D element to the show. Now, I am not going to put these on because last time I did, I had a bunch of high school kids taking pictures and sending gifs of me all over the place. And uh, we're not going to do that. But... Um, Isaiah, when he makes this prophecy, it's as if he puts on 3D glasses and he sees something coming. Of course, he sees the first birth that is coming. But the glasses that Isaiah has as a prophet allows him to see something else coming from even a greater distance out, and that is the second coming. This is when his government will be established. This is what he's speaking of here. It's beautiful. You know, the first time Jesus came in humility, that's what his birth was about. He was born in Bethlehem, no room in an inn. So just go out to a barn out back, to a cave. And that's where our Savior was born. As mentioned, he grew up on the backside of nowhere, Nazareth. Remember his disciple Nathaniel when Hearing that the Messiah came from Nazareth, asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? This is the hillbilly side of the Galilee. He died a cursed death. Anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed, was 
place in a borrowed tomb. Didn't even have his own tomb. Everything about his first coming was humble. He came as a suffering servant. But what Isaiah sees here in chapter 9, verse 6, what he prophesies is that the second coming, the second advent, it won't be a suffering servant. It will be as a ruling and reigning sovereign. And when he comes, he initiates his government, and it will be a government of peace through power because there are none more powerful than the resurrected Jesus. This text is beautiful, and Jesus who brings with him hope and light and joy and peace, he's called in verse 6, our wonderful counselor. That word wonder there, it means astonishing or marvelous. We get the word marvel here. In our vernacular, we're, we're, we're used to the marvel comics of the day. We see these people and all of them are superhuman, have supernatural abilities and powers. Well, Isaiah sees Jesus and he says, this is the one true marvel. The one who has true supernatural abilities because he is supernatural. He is the God-man. One commentary pointed out to designate the child with this word, wonderful or marvelous, is to make the clearest attribution of his deity. And I think the placement of this name is significant. It's the very first name given. Wonderful Counselor, this child that is to be born, this son that is to be given, this savior that is here is first and foremost deity. The child is born. That's his humanity, 100% man. A son is given. That's his deity, 100% God. Just attempting to wrap our minds around a man who is fully man and fully God is a wonder. We, we marvel at this whole idea. There's a song that we sing this time of the year, Christmas song. I wonder as I wonder. It's all about the wonder of the birth of Jesus. There's a lesser known song that is called Wonder of Wonders. And it carries with it this same idea, just trying to wrap our mind around the birth of the Christ child, God in the flesh. The author of this hymn, listen to these words. The wonder of wonders as she looked on his face, that this little boy spoke the worlds in their place. The stars and the moon shining brightly on them, the earth and the sun were created by him. The wonder of wonders as she heard his small cry that his voice had thundered on Mount Sinai, the hand that she held so tenderly, he made a dry path through the mighty Red Sea. The wonder of wonders as she looked down and smiled that he was her maker as well as her child. He created the womb that, he had, that had given him birth. He was God incarnate come down to earth. The wonder of wonders, oh how could it be that God became flesh and was given for me. The Almighty came down and walked among men. The wonder of wonders, he died for my sin. It really should cause us this whole idea of Christmas should cause us to pause 
It should provoke thought. It should provoke worship. It should provoke thoughtful worship. Every nativity we see should remind us of this wonderful counselor given to us. Jesus is supernatural, extraordinary, wonderful Counselor, the wisest person to ever live. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Isaiah is continuing this prophecy and he says this Messiah is going to come from the line of David. Describes him as a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And listen to how he describes this child that was to come, this Messiah. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus is simply wisdom personified. One of the reasons I try to read in my time alone with the Lord every single day, the proverb of the day, this morning was Proverbs chapter three. And trying to take in God's wisdom. Well, wisdom is a person. Wisdom is Jesus. So if you wanna get wisdom, you gotta get Jesus. This is why the scripture says, Proverbs 1.33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Me is wisdom. It's Jesus. Whoever gets me will dwell secure. Proverbs 8, 36, the second part, all who hate me love death. If you hate wisdom, you hate Jesus, you love death. And so what the scripture's teaching in this is that if you have a problem, if you have a conflict, if you have an issue, if you need wisdom, counsel, or advice, God has given us the person of Jesus who is our wonderful counselor. And if we'll just ask for wisdom, as noted in our James series, James chapter 1 verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. Just think about the ways of this world, the counsel of this world. So foolish in Isaiah's time. Isaiah is speaking the word of the Lord And Ahaz won't have it. Wants to go his own way, do his own thing, not listen to the voice of God. And God sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to the people of Israel. And they rejected all of them. And so what does he ultimately do? He said, I'll send you my son. And he'll be the most wonderful counselor. Always directing you, always guiding you. And this is why we give ourselves to his word. Because Jesus is the word. This is how he speaks to us. And if we want wisdom and if we want Jesus, where do we get it? It's, it's, where do we grow in him? It's all from his word. Last week I had the opportunity, I had to go back home and preach the funeral of a dear family friend. I, I told the, those gathered at the funeral that if there was ever a staple in my life as a child, it was this lady that I was burying and her husband. They were my mom's best friend. My, uh, they were always at my house on Thanksgiving or Easter. Or we were at their house. They were, uh, every graduation, they were there. Life event, they were there. Loved this lady. And we, we buried her last week. And she was married to my junior high principal. And uh, I told him at the funeral, I'll never forget, it's, it's amazing what sticks with you as a child, but I'll never forget as a, as a little boy, seventh grader, um, he would, I assume he did this with every incoming seventh grade class, we gathered us, all of us in the cafeteria, and he said, uh, students, if you ever have any questions about life, you need to go to the Bible, it's got every answer 
to life's questions. I'll never forget him saying that as a seventh grade boy. Go to the Bible. And I just affirmed him there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking with a senior who's getting ready to graduate, and they're conflicted. Where do they want to go to school? Where does God want them to go? And they were saying, hey, what do you think about that? Because it's not in Scripture. I said, no, it's certainly not. God's not going to tell you in here whether to go to Baylor or A&M, okay? Um, tell you what wisdom is. And need, no. Uh, <laughs> but where do you grow in Christ? Where do you grow in your, you get into the Word. Because what the Word teaches is if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, you seek Him, you just go. Wherever you want, and you'll be right in the middle of God's bullseye for your life. But it says you give yourself to his word. This is how we grow. He is our wonderful counselor. And let's think about this as we bring this message to a close as it relates to the gift that he brings called hope. So many people that we live with, that we go to work and work alongside, that we rub shoulders with every single day. So many people need hope. This past week, I was in a hospital room praying with a young man who needs hope. Truly, knocking on death's door if a miracle doesn't happen, leaving behind a sweet family. He needs hope. Some of you praying for children or grandchildren who are raised in the ways of the Lord and now they're gone. And you're praying, you want hope. Are they ever going to come back? Or maybe you got the diagnosis or a loved one got the phone call from the doctor. And you're looking for hope. It's one of the reasons that we provide what we call a day of comfort tomorrow. I want to make sure you're aware of this. From 1 o'clock in the afternoon to 7 p.m. in our chapel right here on our Champions campus. We have what we call a day of comfort. And we open up our chapel. You know, we, we understand and realize that the holidays, while it is a joyful time, it's a sad season for many people. Some of you ate Thanksgiving, and there wasn't that loved one at the table that had been there every year. And you're going into a season of first, and this is going to be your first Christmas without that loved one. And the pain that's associated with that. And so we open up our chapel from 1 to 7. Our pastors will be there. It's a come and go as you please. But if you want to come in and this has been a tough season and you just want to sit and talk with someone, our pastors will be there. If you want to come and just talk with our pastors about the loved one that's passed in this past year or the one that you're grieving right now, you just come. We just want to be a listening ear. We'll have prayer with you and then you can light a candle in your loved one's honor and place it there at the altar. And what, is, what are we doing? Placing that candle there is just a sign of hope. The Christmas blues are a real thing. It's not just a song by Dean Martin. One article by a professional counselor that I was reading says this, the stress of the holidays triggers sadness and depression for many people. This time of the year is especially difficult because there's an expectation of feeling merry and generous. People compare their emotions to what they assume others are experiencing or what they're supposed to feel. They think that they're all alone, fall short, that they alone fall short. They judge themselves and feel like an outsider. There's a host of things that add to stress and difficult emotions during the holidays. Everything from finances to loneliness, from grief to estrangement in relationships. And what can happen if we're not careful in this season? We can just spin out in depression and darkness. And what people need more than anything is hope. It's been said that man can live about 40 days without food. 
Three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. This was the people of Isaiah's day, the time of darkness, the Assyrian empire coming down on them. It'd only be a matter of time before they were deported. The land that they loved would be infiltrated and populated with a pagan people. It's a dark day, hopeless. The days of Jesus, Roman occupation, the people were kept in check by Rome. It was days of darkness, distress, gloom, of anguish. And that may describe some of you right now. Full of distress and anguish for some reason. We see this. Mental health crises that we see taking place all around us. War in the Middle East, war in the Ukraine. Just like the divided kingdom of the Bible, we have people making power grabs in our government, leaders not listening to the voice of God. And so what are we to do? It would be so easy as Christians to throw in the towel and just give up. How are we to live in this world and continue to thrive in it and be salt and light in a world that despises us? Thankfully, God didn't leave us to ourselves. He gave us Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And when we trust in him, when we put our faith in him, God with us becomes God in us. And our wonderful counselor lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, whose name is also counselor. And because of this, no matter how dark the day gets, As believers in the Lord Jesus, our wonderful counselor, we should never lose hope. In fact, because he is our wonderful counselor, we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. This is Jesus. Everyone knows the work of the German composer Handel. His most famous oratorio was written in 1741. It's magnum opus, the Messiah. He was 56 years of age at the time when he wrote when he wrote this. Started writing at 19, over 200 choral works. What's amazing about the Messiah is he wrote it in just 24 days. There's a lot that's been written about the story of Handel's life and what was going on and when this was written. It was meant to be played at Easter. That's where we get the hallelujah chorus. But it's become a Christmas favorite because It points out and has put music to the lyrics of Scripture. The entire Messiah is nothing but Scripture. Written from 14 books of the Bible, 43 verses from the Old Testament, 30 from the New Testament. What we don't realize is why Handel wrote the music that we love. The text was put together, compiled by a a, a man by the name of Charles Jennings. Jennings and Handel had collaborated on various projects, and here's what you need to know about Jennings. Jennings was a devout Christian, and he was living at a time in England, the mid-1700s, where deism was gaining in popularity. Deism is just this thought, this philosophy, that God just sets the world into existence. He winds it up like a clock, and he just puts it aside and lets it play out. In other words, he's not a personal deity, and he's certainly not involved in the personal affairs of mankind. Well, Jennings wanted to combat 
this theology, this philosophy that was being taught, but he didn't know exactly how to do it. And so ultimately what he decided is to get this in front of as many people as possible, this apologetic of the gospel and that the prophecies have weight and that the Messiah gives hope. He compiled this work, gave it to Handel, and said, put music to it. And this is what he wrote to a friend after he gave it to Handel. I hope he will lay out his whole genius and skill upon it, that the composition may excel all his former compositions as the subject excels every other subject. The subject is Messiah. And as noted, Handel, who was 56 years of age at the time, whose popularity had waned, he locked himself in a room hoping to have a resurgence of his career to reacclaim uh, his, his notoriety, so to speak. His biographer says he didn't leave the room, he wouldn't eat. And in 24 days, he put music to this lombrado that Jennings had composed. And Handel said this after writing the Messiah. I think that I did see all of heaven before me and the great God himself. And you'll hear this song every Christmas. You'll hear it in the backgrounds of movies. You'll hear it in the backgrounds of places that you shop during the Christmas season. You'll certainly hear it on the radio. I want to give you a sampling of it, just 90 seconds, of the great Messiah. And I want, as you listen to it, I want it to be a reminder to you that whenever you hear this song, this Christmas, I want it to be a reminder to you of what we're talking about in this series, that unto us a son is given, a child is born, a savior is here, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor who brings hope, Mighty God who brings with him light, Everlasting Father who brings with him joy, and Prince of Peace who brings with him him peace. For this to work best, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes and just take this in for 90 seconds.
I played that. I was fired up when I found this story. Started playing it, played it for one of my children who will be, remain nameless. She said, oh, dad, that was, must have been written in the 40s or 50s. I said, try 1700s, all right? Um, every time you listen to it, let it remind you this Christmas of the wonderful counselor who brings with him hope. Amen? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.